Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, throws all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up with a head to the side. Derek Brooks, 30. Up to the 29. He's 20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Join alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Tampa Bay Buccaneers football is back. NFL training camp started this week for all 32 teams. Football activity is happening. I mean, this is, you know, this is the very end of that dead point that we dread every single offseason where you've got to go from the NFL draft to right about now with a whole lot of nothing to talk about. I mean, we had a couple of stories come out. We had a couple of good things regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover. The return of the creamsicles obviously being a big one for us. But other than that, I mean, it's been radio silence. You know, a couple weeks ago, we got some organized team activities. You got to see a little bit of the rookies, and you got to see a lot of guys running around and impressing fans, coaches, and more in shorts and a T-shirt. But now the team is back in the facility. The veterans have reported. And uh, as Todd Bowles said today, now we're practicing full bore. So a lot of those guys looking to make the most out of the opportunity they are going to have in the coming weeks as we get ready for the 2023 Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. But before we dive into that, Evan, how you doing, my friend? Good to talk to you again. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, just like you said. Finally, something to actually talk about that's new, um, and we're not rehashing uh, the same things over and over. Well, okay, maybe we are rehashing <laughs> the same things maybe over and over. some topics that, you know, <laughs> we, we find ourselves maybe. talking about but, every single week. But. but we actually have new new evidence, new things to talk about with those, per se. So if we talk about Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask for the 1,000th time, now we can actually talk about what we've seen lately, which is Baker Mayfield actually being in a Bucks uniform, not just what we think he'll be, what he actually is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good this time of year. Obviously, the, the pads haven't come on quite yet. I believe they're coming on Sunday. So that's when you know, the real football uh, starts. And right now it's just shorts and T-shirts. Anybody, you know, we've said it a lot, like the Kenny Bell effect we talk about all the time. Like anybody can look good in shorts and T-shirts, uh, you know, it's what happens when you put those pads on that. That's what really matters. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but it is nice just to, to see football uh, for once. And, you know, it's the end of July already. It's funny because we look at this period and you look at, all right, the draft and then it's a dead period. And you think it's like, man, like that's so long, but at the same time, I'm like, kind of can't believe the season is like, basically a month away like it, it's it's kind of hard to believe that they're playing a preseason game in like two weeks so yeah 18 while, 17 or 18 days from the day that we're recording this the bucks do have 
a football game and it doesn't it it, yeah. it hasn't really like sunk in yet yeah it's 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 strange and um and so at the same time while it has felt like a drag at times when you're in june or early july and there's zero to talk about still is like wow like we're we are closer than you think so we're, we're gearing up for another year here yeah, we're also gearing up to uh, get some phone calls from you guys as the phone lines are open, 305-224-1968. And if you're watching live on YouTube, the meeting ID to join is 873-0493-6653. I know it's kind of a new thing that we had for the call-in shows this year. Uh, we're trying to implement these for the first time in a couple of years, and the last time we didn't have a Zoom code, but now we do. And if you've listened at all and you love to give us feedback, we'd love to know if you like the new phone system. Uh, we like it because it's not as disruptive as the old one. <laughs> Back when we had to take calls on Skype, man, not only would you hear the phone call coming in, but I would have to drop Evan from the call momentarily, get the caller on, and then get Evan back into the call. And sometimes Evan wouldn't connect or he would connect and entirely miss the question that was being asked. So uh, we were able to streamline it a little bit, always trying to get better and uh, excited to get some feedback from you guys. Always love to hear from you. Real quick in the live chat over on YouTube, our buddy on the West Coast, Richard T. Checking in, says, good evening, fellas out there in L.A. And uh, MK Mikey Kelly says, what's up, Rhett and Evan? Actually, shout out to Mikey Kelly, by the way. He extended an invite to uh, for me to join him this weekend. I think the Sunday practice at Advent Health Training Center. If I didn't already have a ticket, I would 100% be there. But I'm going to be there regardless, so I will make sure that I run into Mikey Kelly and tell him what's up. But if either of you guys want to call in, we'd love to hear what is on your mind. All right, let's open things up with the million-dollar question, something that we have never talked about on the podcast before, uh, the quarterback battle. <laughs> so so uh, to get everybody up to speed, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. This is a bona fide battle for QB1, the first one we have seen in Tampa Bay for almost over a decade. And, uh, you know, this is day two of training camp. I hate to sit here and say that one guy has the edge already because it is day two of training camp. But if the articles, the quotes, and uh, I guess some of the pictures that, have, that are coming out from practice indicate anything, um, at least to me so far, the biggest thing that it indicates is that Baker Mayfield is pretty well-liked so far in the facility. Players and coaches alike have a lot of good things to say about him. And that momentum, the way people talk about him, Seems like it's kind of headed in that direction. I, I don't know. I know we kind of touched on this topic before about how for Kyle Trask, it does feel like an uphill battle for him to really turn some heads and, and get that QB1 job. But so far, people are hype about Baker. Yeah, and you know we've talked about this throughout the offseason. Even when Baker Mayfield was signed, it kind of felt like, look, most likely he was going to be the guy. It just... <sighs> They Baker Mayfield was one of the guys when they signed him that you looked at it and said, okay, this is legit competition for Trask, but is it even a competition? And a lot of people have wondered that this offseason. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, if you just decide on Baker Mayfield, then don't you have the competition? Just name him the starter. Well, I don't know if Baker Mayfield has particularly earned that per se, but uh, I do think that right now, it's clear that Baker Mayfield's the leader in the clubhouse. Now, again, you just said it. It's day two. <laughs> we are we are early into this thing, and they have 
a whole training camp ahead of them. They got at least probably two preseason games, which I would expect both Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask to play a decent amount in. Um, I, I this thing isn't over. Now, would it be a surprise to me to see Kyle Trask win the job at just outright in training camp? Probably. I, I would say it would be would a be surprise. Biggest, I don't mean to yeah. jump on top of you here, but that would be the biggest shock at camp for me. Like, of mm-hmm. all the things that we're expecting, Kyle Trask winning the QB1 job is towards the bottom of my list. Like, yeah. I, uh, assuming, assuming there's no injury or anything to Mayfield, like him just beating out Baker Mayfield would be a surprise. Now, hey... You know, anything can happen in a regular season. That doesn't mean I'm not going to say that if Baker Mayfield struggles, the Buccaneers won't look to replace him with a Kyle Trask. That's a whole other can of worms. But like, as far as week one starter goes, I, at this point, and again, a lot can happen, but I, I think Trask is facing a pretty big uphill battle right now. And I think Mayfield, um, while Mayfield, you know, he can't, you know, crap the bed like like he can't be terrible or else like the Buccaneers the Buccaneers want to win games like and if Todd Bowles is sitting there and he's looking at it, it's like Trask has just played better and he's gonna go with the guy that gives the, him the best shot to win especially when Baker Mayfield's on a one-year four million dollar contract you're not tied to him at all actually you have more ties to Kyle Trask because you spent a second round draft pick on him so um I Todd Bowles is gonna do the best guy for the job however Right now, I, I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't Baker Mayfield out there in Minnesota week one. And the implications for a QB1 job in Tampa Bay right now are obviously much more important because if you're the Bucks, you're looking for that next long-term guy. So you're looking for more than a player who can just go out there and win the QB job at camp. And I know that not a lot of people have a ton of faith in Baker Mayfield taking this team beyond where they were last year with the greatest quarterback of all time under center. But the fact of the matter is, if you are the Bucks and you have made this investment, you know, from a team building perspective, you're going to have to hit your wagon on one of these guys. And, and they're ready to do that. But I do think what makes it so much more important, not only the potential to be the next franchise guy, so the Bucks are not in a situation where they have to draft a quarterback next year. Um, they look for leadership qualities. You're looking for a guy who can do it more than just on the field. And Todd Bowles actually had a pretty good quote come out today. As far as comparing Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, he said they're different as far as energy. Uh, quote, Kyle has this inner confidence and Baker has a more wear it on your sleeve confidence type of thing. Both are able to get it done effectively. And I think that's how they run the huddle each on their own. It's more about the execution and control of the offense than it is their inner or outer confidence. So obviously they're both playing confident, but when you hear Baker talk about it, when you hear him address the media as to why he is there and why he wants to win this job, he's pretty clear. He, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and that's always kind of been his mentality. But now more so than ever, you know, he knows of all people that this is probably going to be his one, I don't want to say last chance, but one of his last chances to, to be a bona fide right. NFL starter. If he can't win this job in Tampa against Kyle Trask, it, it's going to be tough sledding for Baker Mayfield uh, the rest of his career. Yeah, I, I think at this point it is his last chance. I, barring an injury, and you know anything can happen, but like barring an injury to somebody else in the, on another team or in the future or something that he gets another shot and does well, I, I have to imagine this is his last chance to like be the guy. When I mean, you're talking about a guy who's on his fourth team in, in a year, a calendar year, like you know, eventually. 
the NFL stop, stops giving you chances. And I think four is, is plenty. So especially quarterbacks, honestly, you know, quarterbacks do not get many chances. You know, the, a lot of the time, if you're drafted with a high draft pick and you don't get re-signed or you get traded or released by the team who drafted you, a lot of times you ain't picking up another starting job immediately. You know, like Marcus Mariota, like, that's basically what like Baker Mayfield is. Like Marcus Mariota had two shots. He got drafted by the Titans, was the starter, didn't do well, got released, and went to the Falcons and was the starter. Then he would then he didn't do well, got got released, and now he's on Philly and he's gonna be the backup. Like that's two shots. Baker Mayfield's gotten four. So like it's it's out it's like is his time is running out here. It's now or never for Baker Mayfield. But the interesting thing about this battle is that you could say the same exact thing for Kyle Trask. Like the time is now like, okay, Baker Mayfield beats him out this year. Let's say Baker Mayfield does not. Re- let's say he beats him out, but he doesn't return next year in Tampa. You're going to start Kyle Trask for the first time in his career in his fourth NFL season. I don't think so. So, like, the time is now for Kyle Trask also. And that's the interesting thing about this battle is both guys should be plenty desperate because their NFL. Now, I mean, to be fair, Kyle Trask may have a little bit more of an NFL future. A team could give him a shot, you know, a team that's looking for, well, he never got a shot in Tampa. Let's give him a shot here. That's a little bit different. But I do think as far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, you're looking at two guys that should be pretty desperate to win that quarterback battle. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, competition breeds the best out of people. Now for the people who are interested in uh, when we're going to get a clear cut answer on a QB one, Todd Bowles was asked, he said he does have a timetable in his head. He's obviously not going to wait around until the regular season, but the question then becomes how long are they going to drag this out? You know, are are, are we thinking that by the second preseason game, we're going to know going into that, hey, this guy's probably played well enough to be your starter. Or do you legitimately see this as something that could last all the way up until that final preseason game? Yeah, I I think by the second preseason game, I think the fans are going to know. And like people like us that are like kind of, you know, fringe media, whatever, they're going to know. The team won't come out and say it, I don't think. Like, I don't think Todd Bowles is going to come out a day before the second preseason game or even right after the second preseason game and say Baker Mayfield is my starter or Kyle Trask is my starter. But like, I I think by the time that second preseason game rolls around, you're going to be like, yeah, I'm 99% sure it's this guy. And now I think while it won't be immediately after the second preseason game, I do expect it to probably be like before the third preseason game, because what might happen is if it's Baker Mayfield, I could see them holding Baker Mayfield out of the third preseason game to avoid any injury and just have Kyle Trask like play, you know, most like the basically the entire first half that have John Wolford finish it up or something. Um, but I, I could see them wanting to name the quarterback before the third preseason game. So they're able to protect their starter and not have to throw both Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask out there uh, in the third and final preseason game. So I wanted to talk some more about training camp battles. Before we do that, I wanted to kind of put a pin on this quarterback talk and uh, I guess pump up our guy Kyle Trask a little bit. It's the least we could do, right? I mean, we got we to gotta find some positivity for this guy somewhere. And something that we heard a lot 
out of day two of Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp is that Kyle Trask looking a lot lighter on his feet, huh? Increased mobility is the latest on Kyle Trask uh, from NFL training camp. So, I mean, what are your thoughts here? You know, I, I guess while we are spending time and talking about it, I will say that one of the things that I have noticed about Kyle Trask during his last couple of off seasons here, he can be mobile. He's kind of he's kind of like a Jameis Winston, where like once he does get out in the open field and he's running, he looks a little goofy. Kind of, yeah. I think Winston was more mobile than yeah. him, though, and, and Winston was definitely more elusive, maybe a little more athletic. But you know, for but, the I mean, most part, Trask, Trask isn't Tom Brady. He's not a statue. That's like, the thing is that it's going to be night and day. It's going to be a stark contrast between Tom yeah, Brady with, with, and, with, with, with either guy. Like yeah. it's, it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to have a little bit more uh, fluidity in the pocket, if you will. But what do you think? Is is, is this just, is, I mean, are we just pandering? Are we just trying to find something positive to say about Kyle Trask to continue the narrative that this is a legitimate quarterback battle? I, I mean, I have never, ever, ever, ever heard even even guys like Lamar Jackson and, and Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, I have never heard on the second day of training camp, hey, man, that quarterback, he's looking pretty fast. I just don't hear that a lot. So to answer your question, whether it's, it's pandering, yeah, I, I think so. Pretty sure. Like, I, look, I don't want to crap on him. Like, I, I really don't. But, like, my feelings on Kyle Trask have been pretty well documented. Uh, while I'm not, like, the biggest Baker Mayfield guy, I like him more than Kyle Trask. I just think he's a better quarterback. Um I think he gives the Bucks the best option to win, but also like, you know, I'm going to call it like I see it. And like, look, if Kyle Trask is better than Baker Mayfield, then I'll come on here and say that Kyle Trask deserves to be the starter and Baker Mayfield doesn't like if by week eight, the, the Bucks are sitting there with one or two wins and the season's going down the drain and Baker Mayfield's playing awful. Yeah. Put Kyle Trask in like, you know, why wouldn't you? So I, I don't want to harp on him too much. It's just, you're in your third year. You were a second round pick. You're in your third year. And there's still questions about whether you can even play in the NFL. Not great. Like it's it just, it, it, it's not great. The, Tom Brady retired. And instead of them hitching their wagon to you, they decided to bring in a guy who's probably going to replace you. I, I know we brought it up time and time again, but a perfect example is the Atlanta game. In Atlanta. Yeah. You, you pull, they you had, pull a, they had an Brady. opportunity. They <laughs> yeah. had an opportunity to play him that the entire game, not even play Tom Brady. Or if you want to play Tom Brady, put him in for two series. Instead, they played Blaine Gabbard for 70% of that game. And Kyle Trask got two drives in the fourth quarter. With come with on. a bunch of preseason guys. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, come on. the same old thing we've seen time and time again. I, I think the Bucks truly made a decision there. And uh, actions do speak much louder than words. But obviously, we have the rest of the summer to really iron this thing out. I think Kyle Trask still has a fighting chance. I don't want anyone to come on here and, and think that on day two of training camp, we're already right no, this guy yeah, off. B- but, b- again, Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team in a year. Yeah, Kyle Trask has a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not over till it's over. So we do not have an official starter as of yet. But uh, as far as me and Evan, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm, I'm, I'm committed to the bid. I'm ready to get baked this year. Yeah, it's... It's always good to get baked, yeah, um, go. but uh, yeah, no, it's. It, I think it's just what it's what's best for the team. I, I think so. It's if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I think week one probably gives you the best shot. 
wanted to talk about some changes uh, as far as this year's training camp goes to last year's training camp. The topic on today's episode is, of course, training camp battles. And to be honest with you, at this position group, I thought we were going to have an open door, but it does not seem to be the case. For the first time in a while, the Buccaneers seem to have picked their five starting offensive linemen. Now, this information, obviously, courtesy of Pewter Report, but uh, setting their offensive line early is a strategic choice the Bucs have made due to the personal turnover that the offensive line underwent this offseason. There is not a single player on the line who will be playing in the same spot he was in last season. Obviously, the big one, Tristan Wurst, moving from right tackle to left tackle. Luke Gedeke is moving from left guard to right tackle. Ryan Jensen stepping back in at center after missing the entire 2022 regular season with an injury. And uh, the team has two new guards and veteran Matt Filer, who is playing at left guard, and rookie Cody Malk at right guard. This is the look that they have picked. And I know. I thought we saw this. Isn't it Mock? I thought it was Malk. I don't know. We're going to have to I get said Mock Because I said Mock, and I was corrected and told it was Malk. I've heard a couple people say Mock, but I heard it was Malk. I'm sticking with, I'm sticking with Mock. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Mock, Malk, like, sounds like I'm getting a coffee. Like... I know, but it's kind of one of those deceptive names. I mean, but, but if, if that's how you pronounce it, it's how, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Proceed. No, you're good. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, for the Bucks as of right now, if this is your week one starting offensive line, then you got to think about the depth and the players that are sitting right behind those guys. And if you're the Bucks, I'm not going to say that this offensive line is in better shape than it was last year, but I do think you have to feel a little bit better about the level of depth they have headed into training camp and potentially week one of the NFL season. Also, given that everyone stays healthy because we also saw what happened last year. Yeah. And to answer your, your question, Alex, um, yeah, it is a call and show. So the everything's all the information's right on the screen there. So, um, yeah, actually, coincidentally, we're talking about training camp battles, a shameless plug. I have an article up on Bucks Nation uh, right now talking about training camp battles. And one of them actually is the guard spot. So you talk about the depth and I don't love the Bucks tackle depth per se, but their interior depth is actually pretty good. Uh, Matt Filer, Cody Mock. Um, Nick Leverett, Robert Hainsey, and Aaron Stinney. Aaron Stinney come back from uh, the torn ACL slash MCL. That's pretty good. I mean, that's five guys trying to battle for two spots. I don't think the Buccaneers are completely married to a specific offensive line combination because, look, like Cody Mock from, uh, what, isn't it North Dakota State? Yeah, the Bison. Uh, Like, small school guy, played tackle there transitioning to guard. We all saw how that worked out with Luke Gedeke last year. He was a tackle transition to guard might not be a seamless fit. Like Matt Filer is a veteran might not have it anymore. You don't know. So I, you know, I don't think they should or are married to the idea of, Oh, second day of training camp. Here's the offensive line for week one. Like, yeah. no, I, I, I don't think so. This isn't not like Ali Marpet there anymore. So um, I, I don't think they're particularly married to that. I think they like what Hainsey did last year at center. I think they want to see him a bit more at guard. I think they really like what Nick Leverett did uh, at guard. And yeah. um, obviously they like Aaron Stinney enough because they keep re-signing him. Even after uh, he tore his ACL and MCL in the preseason last year, is trying to come back from it. They re-signed him to a one-year deal. So they clearly see something with Aaron Stinney. The depth along the interior is one of, I think, the strengths of the entire team. I think if one of these guys goes down, um, you know, you're going to have the guy step in. 
but also like you're one of those guys that I mentioned is probably going to be cut like uh, Nick Leverett, Aaron Stinney, like maybe one of those two, because you probably can't keep all those guys. So uh, we'll have to wait and see, but um, you would talk about the offensive line being in better shape and it's man, it's so hard to get a real on this offensive line because you don't know. Like yeah, you, you don't, don't even know the best, like, okay. The best player is Tristan Warfs, but let's say the second best player who's actually playing the position that he's played the entire time is Ryan Jensen. And he is coming off of a major injury and he's only getting up there in age. You don't know what he's going to look like. Like, you know, he played one game last year and looked fine, but it was one game. Um, Tristan Wirfs, who's your best offensive lineman easily, one of the best players in the entire team, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire league. Uh, well, apparently only number 98 on the top 100. <laughs> he's, he's, it's, it's amazing how he just he gives down that much. Like, that's significant. Like, I understand, okay, maybe I, a little bit. I, I'm people convinced. People a little bit low on the, the players. 50 I, spots. Come on. I'm convinced all the players that voted are just messing with us. Like, I, I think it's just a massive troll job on everybody. But continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no. And then Tristan Wirfs. Okay, he's a great player. You just you don't know what he's going to There's no guarantee what he's going to look at a left tackle. There's none. Lou Genicky, he wasn't ready for, you know, he wasn't ready for left guard. Like, are we sure he's going to be ready for right tackle? It's just there's, even if you do start Cody Mock, it's a rookie. Like, it's just there's so much uncertainty it is so hard to get a read and truly evaluate this offensive line to me right now until I see them out there. And I think it has the potential to be good. Like if Tristan Wirfs is as good as he is a left tackle as he is a right tackle. Okay. That's fantastic. If Luke Gedeke, just a natural college position, he goes back there. He's, he's good. Ryan Jensen returns the form. Cody Mock looks like he belongs in the NFL. At least Matt Filer can hold up. This could be one of the better, better offensive lines in the NFL, but I could also see a scenario where it just, it completely blows up and it blows up the buck season. Because if you have a bad offensive line, especially with a downgrade at quarterback, I I just don't see how many football games that you're going to be winning. Like, I, I don't know. So I think it has the potential to be a pretty good offensive line, but it also, it could spell disaster because you're taking a lot of risk. You're moving a lot of guys around and it could backfire very quickly. Yeah, you had mentioned one of those guys along the offensive line and his development is what I wanted to bring into question. That is Luke Gedeke. Uh, former left guard for the Bucks, moving over to right tackle. A guy who played right tackle in college, so the question then becomes, I know you just said there's a lot of unknowns and he is one of them, but do you think there is more of a possibility that we see him take a step in the right direction playing right tackle as opposed to guard? Because forget it, man. I know it was his rookie year. I know it was trial by fire, but it was rough. We all watched it happen, and then we had to watch Nick Leverett come in and save the day, and that was also pretty tough. So, I, I mean, for forget it, who is now moving around, the Bucks clearly have enough stock into this guy to still consider him a fringe starter on this offensive line, so they think he can do some good on the right side of the line. But do you think that this is a situation, you know, I, I don't think the transition is going to be as easy as, as Tristan Wurst from right tackle to left tackle, but I think putting Gedeke in a more natural position for him, something that he's used to, is going to do dividends as far as, like, how much we see him progress this year. Like, I, I would not be shocked if he is an average right tackle, which is all this team kind of needs. Yeah. I, well, here's my thing. Like 
he can't get much worse than he was at left guard last year. That, that's true. That's true. If he plays much you, worse you, at right tackle, he'll be gone in two weeks. Yeah, you got an issue. <laughs> like, if he plays worse, you got a serious issue. Um, I, I have to imagine, like, he's got to be better. Like, he's got another year of experience. You know, going up against all, you know, defensive linemen, NFL defensive linemen, um, going back to his natural college position. I have to imagine he's going to be better. So, yeah, does he need to be average? Like, sure. Like, you know, but second round pick, you're hoping you're you're hoping he can give you a solution. And Tristan Wirfs is a fantastic left tackle because if you can left tackle, right tackle, if you have both of them set, Luke Gedeke's still got three years left on his rookie contract. Tristan Wirfs is going to get paid big time. Uh, who was it? The Andrew Thomas um, just got paid by the Giants. So Tristan Warwick is going to get paid big time by the Buccaneers. You could have your tackle duo set for the next five, six years. And that's huge when, whether it's Kyle Trask, whether it's Baker Mayfield, or whether it's potentially a rookie quarterback stepping into this fold next year, to have those answers along the offensive line, that's huge. So I think get a key progressing there is pretty important. Um, if he doesn't, I think you're going to see him in the market for a right tackle next off season. So I think we're going to get a lot of answers on a lot of the Bucks young players, uh, this coming season. So I'm curious to see. And I will say for any fans out there of guys like Robert Hainsey or any of the other, uh, interior offensive linemen that we have talked about up until this point, Hainsey obviously has some center reps under his belt now. And I wanted to wrap up the offensive line conversation by talking about Ryan Jensen, who will be making his return to start week one of the season. Obviously good to have Jensen back, right? Like that is one of the longest tenured offensive linemen we now have at that position. He has proven to be a good center. He has proven to be a capable center. And he sets the tones for the rest of the guys out there. He is a, a, a tone setter, if you will. But he's also 33 years old. And that's something to think about. So when we talk about these younger interior offensive linemen, it's important to remember that, you know, guys on the O-line are getting a little bit older and and we may be seeing some of them uh, sooner rather than later. But we have got our first call of the show from the 813. Can you hear me? What's your name? Where are you calling in from? Hey, man, my name is Alex Chavez. Uh, I'm calling in from uh, Tampa, Florida. Alex, what's going on, man? What's on your mind? Honestly, uh, guys, I, I love the show. I, I really appreciate every single day that you guys come on. I love the content. Um, but I do want to say, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of disrespect for Kyle Trask whenever you guys talk about him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I would be hard-pressed to disagree with you, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, I agree. Um, but unfortunately, I, I mean... I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Kyle Trask, but as someone who defends Kyle Trask, I mean, you can you can see that we're not the only guys that do this, right? Like, this is... I mean, un- unfortunately for our boy Kyle Trask, it just seems like he got the shit end of the stick. I, you know, I want to have faith in him. Don't get me wrong. I have said time and time again that if he goes out there and wins this quarterback job, that'll be the most impressed I have been with him his entire career. Like, I would be... I would probably be more amped up and excited to see what week one has in store if Kyle Trask wins the job. But I mean, it seems like it's an uphill battle for him. Does it not? No, no, no. I 100% agree with you. I mean, who has the, the, the pedigree who has, you know, the experience in the NFL, 
obviously it's Baker. I get that 100%. But if we like just look back at Kyle Trask's career, right? Uh, by the way, full disclosure, I am a Florida fan. So it's not like I'm trying to defend Kyle Trask, but this is what I will say about him. I just feel like most people don't give him a chance, right? So, I mean, with that being said, we're talking about, you know, we'll, we'll just go ahead with this 20, 2020 uh, Florida season. He had a uh, QBR rating of 125.5. Um, he was a Heisman finalist. He actually led the Florida Gators to a lot of accomplishments. He had 4,283 yards. Uh, 43 TDs, four interceptions. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a good quarterback, that I feel like is 100% one of the things that you're looking for. Now, is he a quiet guy? Does he have the best uh, leadership skills? Probably not, but that's just his style. And I feel like most people look down on that. I just feel like most people that say that he doesn't have a raw, raw attitude, you're not a good quarterback. Give the guy a chance. As long as he actually, you know, he puts the work in. He does everything that he needs to do. But I feel like most people don't give him a chance because he's not a raw, raw guy. What's your opinion? Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't think you have to be. And I, I do agree that there are some people out there that, because I've seen the way Jerome McCoy was treated um, all those years in Tampa, and he was never that type of guy, right? And people got on him about it. People didn't like it. So I I definitely agree that there are some fans out there that um, just won't even really give a player a a chance because of the type of leader you are or whatnot, you know, but yeah, you don't have to be a raw rock guy. That's not the, that's not the thing. You know, my, my thing with Kyle Trask is, and I do like, you know, that, that you brought the stats because there, there's some people, you know, that, that talk to us about this and want to debate us, but like, you know, you don't bring it up. And like, I, I, I do appreciate the, you know, that you brought up the numbers and I do think they're valid. Like, look, like he was, he was in the Heisman talks, like while in Florida, like there's a reason for that. That was earned. I'm not and saying it wasn't that it even wasn't. a cupcake schedule. I mean, playing for the Gators, right. he's, he's playing the best teams in the sec. Right. And no, absolutely. You're still talking about the only reason why he didn't actually have a chance to go and play in the top four of that season was because of a shoot toss. But we're not going to talk about that. That's oh, not what this is about. Man, that was, brutal. that was brutal. I remember that like, <laughs> yesterday. So, yeah, the, the tough thing for me is when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, I look for traits that I think can translate well to the NFL. And you can have the debate with me, and I'll, you know, like, I'll let you have it if you think trash should get a shot. Like, and I, okay, like, I, that's fine. Like, I, I, I well, sort, well, of, he, sort of agree. Yeah, no, no. So here's the thing. I feel like you're not giving him a chance because he hasn't proved himself in the NFL, but he hasn't had a chance to actually prove himself. So yeah, what true. is the actual argument to, to, to your point? So my thing is he hasn't proved himself. However, he's in practice. Already. Had a- the, 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 coaches, the coaches are watching him every day at practice. They're looking at the film. Right. You know, they, they know more than we do, right? Like they're there every day. They're in that locker room. Um, they know more football 
one guy on that coaching staff knows more football than all three of us combined right now. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough. And trust me, and I was, I was one of the guys, I did not think Blaine Gabbert should have played as much as he did versus the Atlanta Falcons. I thought Kyle Trask should have been in. Um, I thought he was going to get in. I don't know why he didn't. Um, and the, the tough thing though, is that I, I just, I look at it and the clock is ticking. Like the the clock is ticking, and to me again now maybe this year uh, he wasn't going to unseat Tom Brady, of course, and that's not his fault that he was put in that situation where Brady was here, and then like that's just how it happened. But Baker Mayfield, if he struggles, I believe Baker Mayfield is going to be the starter. If he struggles, like I said, I will be all for giving Kyle Trask an opportunity. You're right; he hasn't had that opportunity yet. However, I also think that if the Buccaneers were confident in what they've seen in the preseasons that he's played and the practices that he's done day in and day out, I also don't know if they go out and sign a Baker Mayfield because I think they might look at it and say, well, let's give Trask a shot. And I just don't know if they think he's an NFL quarterback. And I think, honestly, kind of like Evan brought up, the example being the Atlanta game and, and seeing as much of Blaine Gabbard as we did, I think part of the reason, a major part of the reason that this feels like such an uphill battle for Kyle Trask in training camp is because of the actions of the coaching staff. You know, you know, like this is legitimately his first real shot at being a starter in the NFL. This is the most real quarterback competition he has faced since entering the NFL. But I still sit here and feel like it's an uphill battle because of the coaching staff, because of what is said about him every other day, because of the lack of things that we have heard, I guess the, you know, the volume of things that we have heard as well compared to a guy like Baker Mayfield, who just like Evan said, if the Bucks were ready to hitch their wagon to Trask, they wouldn't have signed him. But I think this is, you know, his first shot at a legitimate NFL starting job. But I, I just, I, I am, I'm left with the feeling that, the coaching staff kind of already has their minds made up. Um, I, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think, Alex? And then we'll let you go here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, honestly, my mentality is based on, you know, watching him since he was, you know, a freshman with uh, Florida. Um, I, I honestly think that he, he was honestly, I wouldn't say given the opportunity, but like just because of injury, Franks got injured, he got the opportunity and he didn't let it go. And I feel like that would be the same opportunity that he's having here with the Bucks because everybody's putting Baker Mayfield as number one. And that's just what everybody else is going to want to do. And I get it. I'm not trying to diss Baker Mayfield or anything like that. But I do feel that, you know, that Kyle has always over, you know, overcame any adversaries that he's ever actually came across. You know, it's, it's just one of those things that, it, you know, when it comes to actually playing in the game, he turns it on. And that's something that you can't explain or that you can't, you know, go through, whether it's in practice or anything like that. But, you know, the coaches have spoke very well of him. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to the game, he, you know, his passer rating, just everything about his game elevates at that moment. But then again, he hasn't played with the first team either. So there's the misconception that everybody else, you know, talks about, you know, you know, it should be Baker. You know, obviously he, he speaks well, he does everything well. 
I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't care who starts, whether it's Baker or Trask, but I just feel like he just hasn't ever had a fair chance when it comes to being in, you know, with, with the Florida Gators or in the NFL. I honestly do feel that if he actually does get a chance with the Buccaneers to be the first team quarterback, I, I feel like he will turn it on when the time is needed because that's just the way that he's always been. You know, he's always, you know, he's been the uh, two-star quarterback, you know, always the underdog and everybody always gives Baker the, you know, the chip on his shoulder kind of guy. But if I'm being honest with you, how doesn't 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 drive into that? You know, if there if there's anybody that should have a chip on his shoulder, it should be Kyle, and he plays up to his potential when the time is needed. But I feel like he's never been given that chance. But you know, that's where we're at today. So I'll let you guys go. But that that those were my thoughts, and uh, I really appreciate you guys for giving me the time uh, to uh, speak in your show. And honestly, guys, you guys are doing a great job, and I really appreciate everything that you guys do. Alex, we really appreciate you calling in, buddy. Good as always to talk ball with you. How's that? All right. So, wanted to say one more thing about uh, about Kyle Trask here, and then and then we'll move on to yeah. to finish up the show with some maybe some defensive stuff. We haven't yeah. talked about defense one bit. <laughs> so. We got some we got some rookies, <laughs> obviously, to talk about as well who have been in the news. Uh, but with Kyle Trask, you know, I I, I like that he brought up the scenarios that Trask has found success because it's, it's kind of a common thing for him. I think in high school, he was never the bona fide starter. He had to go out there after some guy got injured and basically earn the job and never give it back. At Florida, it happened. Felipe Franks went down, got injured. Kyle Trask came in, took the job, never gave it back. I, I think if Kyle Trask is going to make some noise in 2023, it's going to have to be under those same circumstances. I just do not see a scenario. I mean, I do. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's as likely. But I do not see a very likely scenario where Kyle Trask is your quarterback battle winner headed into week one. I I think it's going to have to be, hey, uh, Baker's an ass bucket. Let's pull him and, you know, throw Kyle in there and see what happens. Or, God forbid, Baker goes down with injury and and you got to see Kyle make the most of his opportunity. But I think that is more likely to happen uh, than Kyle just winning the job outright. And again, this is the most fair shake at a quarterback job he's ever had. But just like we have emphasized, he has never been a bona fide starter. He had to go out there mm-hmm. and get it uh, through one way or another. So as far as Kyle Trask, again, we always wish him luck. We're never going to root against any Bucks players here on the pod. Um, but it does look like an uphill battle. But Alex, we really do appreciate your call. And uh, thanks for your support, buddy. We may have another person. Nope, I thought we did, but we do not. All right. Let's talk about the other side of the football here as we start to wind things down on the show. We got a rookie to talk about to uh, to kick well, things off. Re- oh, okay. Real, right. real quick. All right, real I will. Quick. I will let you take the reins. You go ahead. They they added a player on the defensive side of the football. Welcome back, Will Golston. Oh huh? no! Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a long time coming. <laughs> uh, Will Golston, who said that he remained in playing shape, and it was never a question of not playing for the Buccaneers. But he has officially returned to the team for his 11th, 11th season. Yep. Yeah. Year number yeah, the, 11. The, for... the second longest tenured Buccaneer right now. Yeah, right behind Levante. That, that's a good trivia question. Yeah. Yeah, because when you think about the guys who have been on this team, you know, a lot of the names that were tossed around, Will Golston, Levante, David, Cam Brate was also in there, no longer mm-hmm. on the team. 
So uh, I remember for a long time, like DeMar Dotson was our guy, was our longest tenured offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, times change. And now it's, and now it's what it's Levante David will go. Levante Davis has goals in 2013. I think Mike Evans would be the third because he's 2014. Yeah. You're 10 for Mike Evans. When you think about the players on the team, when you think about the veterans, you know, Shaq Barrett's another guy, but not a Bucks draft pick. So hasn't been here his entire career. Donovan Smith gone now is 2015 was a long one. Yeah, Donovan Smith is now gone. It, it was it was pretty funny. There were some pictures floating around on Twitter this week, and uh, people were talking about how surprising it was for the first time in a long time to see a number 76 out there who was not Donovan Smith. So it's, yeah. it's going to be an adjustment. Well, people, actually, kind of like another thing. It's going to be, and I don't, well, nobody's going to have it, but like if anybody else wears 12, because like you're so used to it being Godwin or Brady at this point. So like it's gonna be interesting. Like yeah, it was kind of it was getting used to me, um, and I do think it it helped. Um, but like suck up wearing three. Yeah, you know I, yeah. I do. The only thing I think it helped is it was a different jersey. So like if it was still the alarm clock things and you suck up was wearing James. three, I'd be like that's weird. Like, yeah. That's James yeah. Winston. Like that's not like yeah, I, you I, know. I, but the fact it was a different jersey and the fact that Donovan Smith wore that same jersey though, it will be weird seeing seventy six and not being Donovan Smith. Yeah, there's a couple of numbers that obviously are going to be weird. Chris Godwin confirmed he's not going to go back to wearing twelve. He squashed that As bug a little shouldn't. while ago. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I can understand both sides of it. I, I we know can have that would. debate some other day. I think people yeah. people like to debate that stuff. I think a hundred percent. So let's talk about the defense. Uh, obviously, the return of Will Golston being a big one, which is going to be, I think, is going to be really good for a lot of the younger talent that we're going to be relying on on this interior defensive line coming up this season. Uh, he spoke highly of Logan Hall. Said that that kid's ready to take another step. I know on the outside, Joe Tryon Shoyinka. At least the pictures that I've seen from camp, he looks effing yoked. Man, I mean, he looks like that weight room has done him some favors, so I'm excited big to see year. him. Big year for him. Gotta, yeah. gotta have it. Yeah, Jason Light I mean, said you, Jason, Yeah, Jason Light said so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Said he's got to be one of those guys that steps up. Anthony Nelson on the other side of that uh, outside linebacker attack. So, wanted to talk about some of the rookies on this defense, and uh, Servassier Davis Dennis. has made... Dennis, sorry. Has made some noise these past couple of days. Had an interception... Had a couple of interceptions, I think. I, I think he just he had he had one he had one camp had one, but OTAs I believe he had two. Okay, but I mean, for some of these rookies coming in, you know, we already talked about Cody Malk and some of the other guys. But how do you fare on this rookie class? Are are, are you excited to see if they can develop into some full blown starters here? Because we talked about the implications following the draft. You know, when, when you're a team like the Bucks who don't necessarily have a championship window open anymore, at least as wide as they used to. You're gonna. I think you're gonna get used to seeing a lot more of these young guys much faster than you would yeah. any other championship year. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see like the Klaja Kansi and stuff because like I think he's gonna play a pretty major role this year. Guys like Savasi Dennis, it's tough because like unless Levante David or Devin White goes down or something, you know, goes haywire with Devin White, like. Dennis isn't going to play that much. So it's tough to get like two pumps about him right now. But like, yeah, guys like Kalaja Kansi, like a defensive lineman, especially a top 20 pick uh, defensive lineman. Uh, I think he's a guy that you could be excited about. The last time they picked a defensive lineman that high was Vita Vea, and obviously it worked out. So um, I think a guy like Kalaja Kansi can be fun. Uh, obviously Cody, Cody mock, it's, it's tough. I mean, I know we're just talking about defensive rookies, but like 
it's, it's tough. He's an offensive lineman. Like, how excited can he be an, an offensive lineman? But, um, yeah, I am excited to see Canty and stuff. So, uh, we will wait and see how. And, I mean, Yaya Diaby, obviously, uh, first Bucks player in, NFL, in Buccaneers history to wear zero. So, that's another good trivia question. Uh, who was the – in, like, 10 years from now, uh, it's even it would be even better, like, if it's, like, 20 years from now. You know, Diaby's not on the team. He's not in the NFL anymore. Like, you know, like even like if he would, if he turns into, if he turns, if he turns into a great player, like it might not be a great trivia question. It'd be obvious. But like if he's like a, a good player, but like not like, you know, in 25, 20, 25 years, you're not going to remember, oh, the casual fan isn't going to remember that. Good trivia question. Who is the first player in Buccaneers history to wear number zero? Um, so like, yeah, guys like him, like seeing them in action is going to be fun. So yeah, and you're right. Like, with the championship window closed for now and the veterans not taking up as many of these spots, it, it is exciting to see young players, new players take those spots. And, um, and also like, I don't know. I'm not saying that like, don't care if they win or lose, but like feels like there's a little less at stake. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, if, if it's just me, but like, it feels like there's going to be a little bit less at stake every Sunday. I think you have so much more time and I'm talking like weeks upon weeks. I think we just have a much bigger window of time to, to wait and see on some of these players, you know, yeah, the, and, and like guys, live, like ex, be like expect, expect the growing pains and live with them. Yes. Yeah. It, it's not going to derail a championship season. You're not going to be chasing the one seed, you know, 2021 when the bucks were 13 and four, like that's a, that's different. That's a rough season for or Joe Tryon Shoyinka. That's a rough rookie season to really come in and, and, and have uh, the expectations that were set. And he wasn't even your full-time outside linebacker starter. I think he only played something like 35 or 40% of the defensive snaps that year. So it wasn't like he was, you know, his impact was, was that heavy, but it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot less time for a guy to come in, figure out his role find out the differences between the NFL and college because there are tons uh, get up to game speed. Like there are so many growing pains, just like you had said that these players are going to have to go through. And I think when you're in a position like the bucks are right now, you're evaluating this team as a whole and you're evaluating some of the younger guys who are going to potentially stand out for the years to come. And sometimes it takes time, you know, it just, it takes a little bit of time. Joe Tryon showing obviously feeling more pressure this season, more now than ever headed into year number three. Hopefully the weight room paid off, but like that's a guy, a young guy that I think when I think of all the young guys on the roster, I think he's got to be towards the top as far as like expectations. And even then, I don't think anyone's expecting him to go out there and get 12 sacks this year. No, it's weird because it's a critical year and there is pressure on him, but at the same time, if you, if you're, as long as you're productive, like there's not going to be like if the rest of the players aren't like you're not going to have as much pressure on you because like if you only win seven games like people aren't going to be like this is yo terrible and stuff like that so there's now yeah there's less pressure in that sense um but then at the same time there's more pressure because like year three like you're a pass rusher i agree that pass rushers sometimes can take a little bit to develop but year three, like to me, he has to double his sack total. Um, he has eight career sacks so far, four his rookie season, four last season. I think he needs eight this season. 
And if he gets any, any, anything less than that, I'd be disappointed. I think at least six. You're a first round pick. It's time. And if you, and if you don't, to me, that's a signal that maybe you ain't the guy. Well, we've talked before. I mean, Will Golston was an example that we used a lot, but we've talked before about the sometimes slow development of those outside linebacker guys. I know Will Golston was like a hand in the dirt 4-3 defensive end, and that never ended up working out for him. So a different position than Joe Tryon Shoinka. I'm not saying that kicking him to interior is going to be the answer here, but as far as development goes, it, it takes a while for those edge rushers. Anthony Nelson, whatever year he is in now, Finally got paid by the Bucks, but you know every year he has gotten a little bit better. Yeah, but JTS has to be better than Nelson. It, it, he has to he has to be better this year. I'm not I'm not I'm not. Yeah, well, and like better than Nelson. Like you're not spending a first round pick on Anthony. Nelson. Right, right. Yeah, I, I I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I, I think if the Bucks look at Joe Tryon Shoinka after those first four years are up, and they sign him to a one year contract, then it's it's probably not looking like that great of a pick. Well, the tough thing is uh, after, I believe, yeah, it's after this coming season that they have to make a decision on whether they want to pick up his fifth-year option or not. That's why this is so critical for him. He could either have two years guaranteed on his contract or enter the 2024 season as a pending UFA. So that's why the third year for a first-round pick is always pretty critical because after that third year, this this coming offseason, the Buccaneers are going to have to decide whether or not they want to pick up the fifth-year option, which now is fully guaranteed. So you can't just cut them and save $12 million or whatever. It doesn't work that way anymore. So now you're going to be committing double-digit money, potentially, to Joe Tronchowinka, even if it's just for a year. Do you want to do that if he gets five-and-a-half sacks a season? I don't know. I think I might want to just play my cards and take the gamble and see how he does in year four. So that's why I think this is a critical year for him. But I still like the player. So I'm expecting him to get eight plus sacks. And I I would be disappointed if he did not. One more facet of this defense I wanted to talk about before we wrap things up on the show. Uh, the cornerback battle, I guess we could call it a battle between Zion McCollum and a couple of other guys as well. Oh, yeah, the third corner battle. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So Zion McCollum, I think coming out after a pretty rough rookie season and winning that third corner job, uh, that would do wonders for his stock in, in the eyes of Bucks fans who want to see him improve year by year. But for a year two corner to come in and take this three spot, given the competition, do you think that's going to be tough for him? No. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I really don't. Um, I, I mean, he's, I, he's, he's battling what seems like a couple he, of camp bodies, right? Don Don Gardner, D Delaney, Josh Hayes. Um, so, like, those are the guys. You know, Anthony Chesley. I don't know, like Deron Lowe. Like, ah, if you I can't mean, beat Dela- these guys Delaney out, Delaney like, is probably the name that's going to stick out to most yeah. people because he stuck around, right? Super Bowl champion D Delaney. If I'm not, if yeah, I'm not, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure he's on that team. Yeah, there you go. So he's obviously a name that stuck around for a little bit. You could call him a veteran at this point, but I think the improvement of Zion McCollum is is what we're really just kind of waiting to waiting to see. Yeah. Here. Oh, and the Buccaneers are as well. Uh, people, you know, forget that the Buccaneers traded a twenty twenty three fourth round pick to trade up to select Zion McCollum. So clearly the Buccaneers love the player. Um, I believe, uh, let me check this really fast, but Zion McCollum's rookie season, he was a good special teamer. He played well on special teams. It's just, 
the the defensive part of it. Whenever he was put into thrown to the fire at corner, whether Jamel Dean was down or Sean Murphy Bunting or Carlton Davis was down, it wasn't pretty at times. And I think that is where you run into a little bit of trouble um, when it comes to Zion McCollum. And yeah, I think the Buccaneers are definitely hoping that he's a guy that year two makes a difference. The one thing that worries me is we talk about, okay, pass rush should take some time. Typically, corners take even longer. Uh, corner, I think corner, the two toughest position to, positions to play in the NFL are quarterback and cornerback. I, I think they're the two toughest to play, um, especially nowadays with the rules and everything to play corner in the NFL. So that's tough. You, you're going to be relying on a second-year player who did not have a promising rookie season on defense to play a pretty big role for you. That's it's a tough ask. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not necessarily pessimistic. I, I don't think Zion McCollum. I'm not completely out on Zion McCollum. I like the pre-draft. I like the draft pick. Uh, I, like, I like the traits he's got. But it's a risk. Um, and I think no matter who they put, there's a risk. I mean, you're talking about Carl Davis, Jamel Dean. That is a significant drop-off to whoever you put there, which – and I'm not reporting anything. I haven't heard a single thing about this from anybody. It wouldn't shock me if they added a veteran corner at some point. Um, if they're looking at this and let's say like after the first preseason game, they're like, yo, none of these four or five guys can hang. Like it's just not happening. Like we got to sign some sort of veteran so we don't get embarrassed out there. Um, I could see that happening. If they're going to add another veteran to the team, I think it would be a corner. I don't think it'd be any other position. So not saying it's going to happen, just saying if they do add a veteran, I could see that. But yeah, Zion McCollum entering uh, a pretty, I wouldn't say critical year for his career, but entering a pretty big opportunity, uh, an opportunity for for him. Um, And we'll have to see if he can take it. Yeah, and and you had mentioned you know, the drop-off between the cornerback two spot and the level of talent who's going to be filling in a cornerback three. And while I do have faith in Zion McCollum to improve a bit as a player, I I would not be shocked for this to be a season like we have seen in years past where it seems like every week, every other week, you have a different starting cornerback three, you know, kind of move this guy around, figure out where his role is going to be. Like, I'm confident in Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean at this point. I I am. They've played well enough. Jamel Dean needed to play his ass off last year, and he did. Uh, Carlton Davis, you know, had a big contract year a couple of years ago, played well, and got paid. So they are established. I, I really do not have any big gripes with either of those two coming into the season. I know some people are critical of Carlton Davis after his comments about a month ago, but realistically, you know, I, I agree with you in in the sense that by week two or three, of the regular NFL season. I think it'll look a lot like the Richard Sherman situation from a couple of years back where, you know, Hey, here's a name that you've probably heard before. Maybe hasn't been on a team, but still has enough gas left in the tank to, to, to fill in a veteran on a fill in basis, I think is what this cornerback room is going to need. Uh, but we just have to wait and see. So it, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. But like you said, we're going to know what this secondary batch of cornerbacks is made of probably after that second preseason game. I, I think pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we saw it happen last year where the, depth I think, I think you're bad. actually, you, you're going to see it after the first because like 
I don't know how much Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are going to play in the preseason. That's true. Maybe get like, one or two, one or two series. Yeah, from those like guys. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys that are competing. So like I think you're going to see them all. So like if they all don't look good, like I I think to me if you're Jason Light, you gotta you gotta figure out something. Like if you look at that and all of them are struggling, like you got to do something. And like, you're going to you see a lot of these throw, guys. Like you can't just throw those guys to the wolves. You're going to see a lot of these guys throughout the preseason, as they should. Uh, as they should 100%. I, I think the less, I think the least amount of time that you can keep your starters on the field, especially this year. But I think the least amount of time you can keep Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean on the field is, is going to benefit you in the long run. Um, but this is what the preseason is for seeing what these guys are made of, seeing what they can bring to the table. And if they're going to be able to hang in the NFL come week one in Minnesota, but doesn't look like we have any more calls. Checking in on the live chat, our moderator, Willie Beeman, holding it down. Christopher Cole also saying hello. Uh, says Vita Hall and Cansey will be your starters. JTS needs to finish. I do agree with that, Chris. JTS even said that himself. Also, Christopher Cole, I got a notification on Facebook this week that said we have been friends for two years. So uh, congratulations, buddy. We appreciate your support. With that being said, I think that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us, watching live with us on YouTube tonight. And shout out to our buddy Alex who called in and uh, defended Kyle Trask. We don't get that a lot, and it is always appreciated. Great football discussions to be had. Remember, on future shows, if we have the phone lines open, you can always give us a call, 305-224-1968. Looking forward to incorporating this into the show in some unique ways Uh, as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season. But a little over two weeks away from the first preseason game, it'll be the first time we've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their uniforms since that fateful day back in January. But hopefully we can brush all the rest off of that and uh, come out and give people something to be excited about. You can find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also check him out on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What are you working on? Uh, not a whole lot at the moment. Obviously, just like I said, just a few days ago, published the uh, training camp battles article. So go check that out. I also talk about a battle that we didn't even discuss, which is the wide receivers. So uh, go, go check that out as well. Um, and then follow along for Bucks Nation um, for training camp updates, stories and stuff like that. It's not just me. You know, we got a great team. So uh, follow along and uh, thanks for all the support. Appreciate it. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thank you guys again for hanging out with us tonight. We always appreciate your support. We love the phone calls, love hearing from you, and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Next time we talk to you, we'll probably get more in-depth on some position battles that we did not talk about today and give you all the latest topics and news from Buccaneers training camp. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.